Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Wow, second service getting a little more active there. Getting a little bit more active. You guys are a little bit more awake. Hey, my name is TJ. I'm one of the, the pastors here. We're so glad that you're here with us this morning as we're in this series called Manifesto. And this series is really about uh, uh, who we are, where we are, where we're going as a church. And, and we've been talking over the last couple of weeks about our mission as a church. And, and it's in your outline. You can follow along. If, if you don't have an outline, you can look at the screen. A lot of stuff will go up on the screen. But uh, as a church, we're about making it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and they can follow Jesus. That's who we are as a church. It's what we're about. We're passionate about that. We're passionate about making Jesus even brighter in our community and, and being some of, the, some of the people that bring that here. And so at the beginning of the year, what we love to do is we love to just refocus and just make sure that we're on track and going in the right direction in life. Because there's a saying by Andy Stanley, who pastors a great church in Atlanta, Georgia. He says, direction, not intention, determines destination. And a lot of times we can have great intentions in life, but if we're not having, heading in the right direction, it doesn't matter how good our intentions are. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, you can have the best, like, I'm going to marry somebody awesome, but if you're looking to the club for the, the God that's going to want to be home with you every night, ladies, like, that's probably, like, your intentions are good, your actions just aren't showing that, okay? Just straight up. Uh, guys, if you're looking for your wife at the strip club, your intentions aren't good, and your actions aren't good. So, I mean, like, you know, direction plus intention equals destination. And so we like to kind of just refocus, make sure we're on the right path, we're going in the right direction, and, and, and heading towards that. And so today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 8. If you guys want to turn to your Bibles there, if you don't have a Bible, you can look at your worship God, um, or on the screen, or on version. You can search for local messages and pull that up as well. Uh, and, and so we're going to be hanging out there for most of today. There's going to be a few other verses. You can just follow along on the screen for those. But um, we started this series a couple weeks ago with this verse in Philippians chapter 2 uh, that says, then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. And we started with this idea that God has called us to shine and he's called us to shine brightly and that he wants us to be a light in this dark, dark world. And, and, it's, and part of being a Christ follower is, is realizing that, man, there's an obligation and there's a responsibility that we're be, to be light to dark places. In fact, in thinking about this whole idea of shining, uh, this week I was checking out Google and, and, and we all have gone to Google Earth. You all have heard of Google Earth, right? Everybody's heard of Google Earth. Come on, give me some, some reaction. Don't just stare at me like deer in headlights. Come on. We've all heard of Google Earth. Have you all, has anybody else ever heard of Google Sky? Anybody? Like, I discovered Google Sky this week, and it wasted like seven hours of my time. I'm just telling you that right now. Uh, I, I discovered Google Sky, and so I was looking, and there's, I found this star uh, as a picture. Maybe they'll throw it up here for me. This, this star, and I was like, man, that star is so bright. That is awesome. And I was thinking about this verse, you'll shine like the stars in the sky. And I was like, man, I'm, I want to be that one. Like, that's the one I want to be. Uh, that's the one I want to be in life. I want to be that, shar, that star that shines really, really bright. And then I realized there was different features, and you could, like, look at the Hubble telescope, and you could actually zoom in closer to that star. I was like, oh, oh cool. And so I started doing that. And when I zoomed in, this is what I found. That star is actually a cluster of stars. Anybody else know that? Maybe there's some, like, I don't even know what that's called. But maybe you're one of those people, and... Uh, <laughs> 
And astronomer, thank you, science teacher. Astronomer. Maybe you're like an astronomer out there and you're like, oh, I do this stuff all the time. Well, I've never owned a telescope, okay? So this was, this was fascinating to me. And so I'm looking at it, I'm like, how awesome is that? How cool is that? Like th that single star that we see that's thousands upon thousands of light years away, when we zoom in on that thing, that thing is actually not one star, but it's multiple stars. And it got me thinking about this idea of, of, isn't that true of our life? God has called us to shine. He's called us to shine bright. Because Jesus, we said this in the first week, Jesus just didn't save us from something. He saved us for something. He has a purpose and he has a plan for our life. And so you look at stars and he's saying, hey, I want you to shine and shine bright. And I start thinking about the people in life who shine the brightest. And what I realize is they're not a single person that does that. If you look at the people that shine brightest, they always have people around them that are encouraging them, that are building them up, that are challenging them, that are punching them in the throat when they're stupid, that are just there in their life surrounding them, helping them to become that bright light. And it just goes to signify the fact that God has called us to shine and shine bright. And he realized the brighter we are is going to be, the, the, the intensity of our brightness is going to be based on how well we do community, how well we do life together. And, and what that looks like for us. And so God is calling us to shine and shine brightly. And, and, and this just illustrates the fact that the best way that we can shine and shine brightly is together. And so let me kind of just spill the beans today what this, this is all about. I'm just going to show you my cars on the front end. We're talking about community today. We're talking about the power of community. And uh, Susie said it earlier in your Outline today is a connect group booklet. There's tables out there with signups. I encourage you to get involved in community. I am who I am today uh, in my life, not because of a great message or a church, just in general that I attended. It's because of the people in the church that I did life with, that I am the person I am today. And I know that God wants to do something incredible in your life here today as well. And so today is gonna be a little bit different than it normally is here. And so I'm, I'm gonna ask you guys because I'm gonna talk a little bit differently than I normally talk here on a Sunday morning. So I'm gonna ask you to lean in a little bit, follow along. It's gonna seem really, really confusing uh, because it's confusing to me. And so if it's confusing me, I'm probably even gonna confuse you even more. But I promise I'll tie it all up at the end. It's gonna, and it, it'll be a beautiful bow. And you'll be like, that was a great package. And, but you'll like, I have no idea how he got there. So just follow along with me. It'll be lots of fun, I promise. Um, and I believe that God will speak to you and show you some things that maybe you haven't seen before from his word. So uh, in, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus says this. It says, later on after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time, the time promised has by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and hear the good news. I want you to focus in on one phrase in here. That's why I pulled out this verse. And it's the kingdom of God is near. Uh, because this is a very, very important phrase. Because what Jesus is doing here is he's setting the tone for the kind of the rest of his earthly ministry. And he's saying, listen, you don't see it right now and you don't understand it. But the kingdom of God, what's up there is about to come down here. And what's up there is going to come down here. And it's going to come in a different way than you're thinking. It, it's going to come through me. It's going to come through my life, through my messages, through my teachings. Through, through my uh, uh, 
death on the cross is going to come through my resurrection. The kingdom of God is going to come through me. And Jesus is proclaiming this and he's getting people ready. He's preparing the way for what's about to happen. And so he's saying this and as he's saying this, the kingdom of God is near. Every Jewish person that's sitting there, every Israelite that's sitting there is going, oh, the kingdom of God is near. That's a phrase that they had heard all the time. It's something that had been prophesied for hundreds of years. And so when they hear that phrase, they're not thinking up there is coming down here. They're thinking something completely different. They're not thinking that up there is coming down here in the form of Jesus, this, 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 this carpenter's son who's going to come and be the savior of the earth. They're thinking that God is going to come down. He's going to destroy all the opposition to them like the Romans that are oppressing them, they're going to rise up to power and like every other nation in the world is going to look to them for significance. We're going to look to them for where they're going in life and for direction. And so when he's saying this, that's what they're all thinking. And, and so what's happening is Jesus is saying this and there's all these different people groups that are sitting out there among him listening to him talk. And and. Primarily, there's three major groups of people that would have been in Israel that time. And uh, I, I just want to give you guys a little history lesson here real quick. How many of y'all love history? Okay, me neither. Um, and so, so not very many of us. Uh, uh, and so let me just kind of give you a history lesson here and give you some context of what's happening. So Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is here. And so there's three different people groups that would hear this. And it would mean something completely different to them. The first group is the zealots. The zealots were known as attackers. They, these, were, these were people who were pretty fanatical. They, they were people that absolutely hated the Roman Empire. They saw that the Roman Empire was the obstacle to Israel being the superpower and the kingdom of God coming near. And so they thought the way that the kingdom of God is going to come from up there to here is by us attacking and overthrowing other nations and becoming the superpower. And so they're this fanatical group and They'll, they'll do at any means necessary to become the dominant force. That's the zealots. And so the zealots, they're these attackers. The next group of people is the Essenes. The Essenes are this group of people that would be considered withdrawers. Um, you might know about the Essenes because of the Qumran community has come into limelight over the last couple of decades. They're the community that, that where the Dead Sea Scrolls and different artifacts have been found over the last, that have been very, very significant to the history of, of confirming God's word throughout the world. And so the Essenes, they thought very, very differently. They didn't think, hey, we're going to go out and attack to see the kingdom of God come to earth. They thought the way that the kingdom of God is going to come to earth is, is we're going to withdraw from society because society is evil, culture is evil, people are evil. And so what we're going to do is we're going to withdraw to the desert. We're going to be very, very holy. We're going to set up all these rules and we're going to set up all these regulations. And the more rules and regulations that we have, the more holier we can be. And therefore, because of how holy we are, the kingdom of God is eventually going to come down to earth. And so they set up some crazy things. Like every Jewish person would honor the Sabbath. The Sabbath was, was one of the Ten Commandments. You shall honor the Sabbath. And so every Jewish person would have agreed with that. But the Essenes took it a couple steps further. They were like, so you're going to honor the Sabbath, but we're going to add a whole bunch of rules to define what honor is. And so like one of the rules, and, and this might be a little bit crass, but the, one of the rules is, is on the Sabbath, you could not relieve yourself. 
That's a, so just think about this. Today, you could not go to the bathroom. I don't know about y'all, but I can't go through an hour meeting without having to go pee. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, I just, I just got to go. In fact, I got to go pee right now. I like got to go. And so like, I would not have been a very good essence. Um, and so they're, they're withdrawers. And then the, the third group is, is this group called the Sadducees. And the, the Sadducees uh, were the collaborators. And the Sadducees, they didn't really have much of a belief system because they didn't believe in much. In fact, they didn't, they didn't believe in angels. They didn't, they didn't believe in afterlife. They, they just believed in getting theirs while they could. In fact, um, their whole thought was is they looked around and they saw the turmoil and, and they didn't really believe the kingdom of God was coming. And so they looked at the Roman Empire and they said, man, if we can't beat them, join them. And so they started collaborating with the Roman Empire and they became very wealthy groups. They were, if you were to look in the Bible, a lot of the Sadducees would have been like tax collector type people in the Bible, people that were very much hated by their own people because they were, they were selling out their own people for their own gain. And so their thought is, is I'm going to get mine while here uh, and, and worry about y'all jokers later. Like that's all I care about. And so, so when, so these are the three thoughts that are going on when Jesus starts talking about the kingdom of God is near. And so these were the dominant groups. And so what's happening is Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is near. And, and the devils are going, yeah, we're about to attack and we're about to overthrow. And we're going we're gonna to go get them. And, and, and the Essenes are like, man, we're withdrawing and we're going to become holy enough that it's going to come. And, 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 and the, the Sadducees are like, we don't even care. Let's just get rich. Uh, and so that's what they're thinking. And so there's these three groups that are in the middle of this. And if you lived among Jesus' times, these, these would be the, the, fraction, the factions that you would kind of fall into. One of these three. And so every time Jesus is having a conversation, every time Jesus is telling a story, every time Jesus is teaching, every time Jesus is healing someone, every time Jesus is doing anything, these three groups are the majority groups that are present. There were some other groups, but these are the vast majority of the people that would fall into one of these three. And so as Jesus is saying that, what we fail to realize is that we'll never truly understand the depth and the impact of Jesus' teaching until we understand the people he was teaching to. We never understood what he was saying to someone until we understand the context of their belief that he was saying it to. And so we hear things from Jesus and we think, oh, that's not a big deal. But if you start to put it in the context of these three belief systems, all of a sudden you start to realize, man, some of the things that Jesus said had some major implications when it came to their beliefs. Like he was radical and crazy. He was rocking their world. Like I'll rock your world, girl. You know, like he was that in a spiritual sense. And so, uh, sorry, I, I, I could pick a lot of different chapters, but I want to look at Matthew chapter 8, and I want to look at two stories that are in uh, Matthew chapter 8 to, to really kind of show this. And so in Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 5, it says this, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. Right away, he's, he's talking with a Roman, so right away, this is going to cause some tension with part of this group as soon as he tells this story. Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. 
I know this because I'm a, a man under the authority of my superior officers. I have authority over my soldiers. I need only say go, and they go, and come, and they come. If I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed, turning to those who were following him. So basically, he, he, this guy comes to him, and he hears all this, and, and there's an awe and wonder on Jesus' face. And turning to the zealots, turning to the Essenes, turning to the Sadducees, this is what he says to them. And this is crazy. He says, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Jesus makes, drops his bomb on them like, boom. Never have I seen faith like this. Never. Blows my mind. I've been all over Israel. I've been to the highways and the byways. I've been with the rich. I've been with the poor. I've been into the cities. I've been into the suburbs. I've been everywhere. And let me tell you something. I've never seen a Jewish person with the faith that this Roman centurion has. Now, who do you think that that would tick off? That would take out a zealot right there. A zealot would be pissed in that moment. Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Like, we hate Romans. We want to kill. I should kill that Roman right now just to prove a point. Like, that is what the zealot is thinking. And Jesus is going, listen, this guy is the epitome of what faith looks like. He's like setting him up as, as this is the standard of faith for life. If you want to know what faith looks like, look at this Roman. And right away, not only would it have ticked off a zealot, but an essence would have been like, man, those impure pigs, like there ain't no way that is a standard. Like they don't, they don't do the right things. They don't say the right things. Like they're in the wrong company. There's no way that you could be elevating him. But yet Jesus is. Let's look at another story. Earlier in the chapter, in verses two and three, it says, suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Now, who do you think would have been most offended by this? Okay, I'll help you out since y'all are a little slow today. It would have been the essence. Would have been the essence because they had all these rules. They had all these regulations. They, it was all about being pure and holy. And, and here Jesus is going and touching a guy. They thought that leprosy just wasn't a physical thing, but it was a spiritual state of somebody's life as well. And so right away, that would have messed with all of their stuff. And, 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 and so that would have just, that would have just kind of set them off. And, and I'm sure there would have been some grumblings and there would have been some clamor in the crowd. But do you really see what Jesus does here in this story? Do you see it? Here's a guy with leprosy. He walks up to him and says, man, if you can make me clean, will you do it? And Jesus, like what I would have done if I was Jesus, and, 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 which is probably why I'm not Jesus, but I would have healed him and then touched him. But that isn't what Jesus does. Jesus reaches out to the guy with leprosy and touches him. He embraces him right where he is. And then he heals him. The Essings would have gone berserk right here. They would have been like, who the heck is this guy? He, he touches lepers. He hangs out with strippers. He's, he's going to the club with t Matthew, the tax collector. Like, who is this joker? I mean, this guy doesn't follow our rules. He doesn't follow our regulations. Heck, I bet you he even pees on the Sabbath. I mean, what's up with this dude? I mean, they were, they were just like, they would have just been lit up about this. 
And what Jesus is doing here is he's saying to all them, listen, there is another way than what you're thinking. There's another way. The kingdom of God is real and the kingdom of God is near and it's closer than you ever imagined and it's gonna go from up there to down here and it's going to come through me. The kingdom of God is gonna come through me. All this attacking and all this trying to overthrow is not gonna come through that. All this withdrawing from society and thinking everyone is evil is not gonna come through that. All of this collaboration that you're trying to do to get yours while you're here is not gonna come through that. It's gonna come through one thing and one thing only. It's going to come through me. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's going to come through me. It's going to come through my life, through my teachings, through my death, through my resurrection. It's going to come through me, and I'm going to be at the very center of this entire thing. And what Jesus is starting to do right here is he's starting to go, and he's starting to, to, to form this community. He's going around and he's starting to form this community with him at the center of it. And what he's doing is he's walking around and he's inviting people to be a part of him from all different walks of life. He's saying, hey, why don't you come and be a part of this community? Hey, I don't, you look different. Why don't you come and be a part of this community? Hey, you're the wrong gender. Why don't you come and be a part of this community? Hey, you come from a different background. Why don't you come and be a part of this community? And he's saying like, hey, why don't you all come? And as long as I'm at the center of this, unbelievable things are going to happen. And so what he does is he goes and he starts inviting people. He, he invites a guy named Simon. And you might have heard of Simon. He's also known as, in the Bible, Simon the Zealot. So therefore, he hated Romans and wanted to kill them all. And he says, hey, Simon, I want you to come and be a part of my community. I want you to grow and experience life with me and see what this is all about. And I'm going to invite some other people, Simon. In fact, I'm going to invite a guy named Matthew. You, you probably like Matthew. Matthew is a tax collector. And right away, you know, Simon's like, I want to kill that joker. And he's like, man, I, I think, Simon, you're a zealot. Matthew, you're a tax collector. You're a Sadducee. Y'all should be friends. You would get along great. In fact, why don't we go to discipleship camp? We'll get to hang out. We'll get to learn. In fact, you two can room together and just create a really, really good bond. And, and we'll see what happens. And I believe that God will do something great in your life. And, and by the way, I'm going to invite somebody else. I'm going to invite a guy named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Uh, he would also be known as a Sadducee by, by these standards. And, and Nicodemus wa was a very, very holy man. He was all about rules and regulations in life. And, and, and his entire life's meaning was basically to look and appear holy to other people. And so that's what he's all about. And, he, and so Jesus is like, hey, Nicodemus, why don't you come and be a part of this community with Simon and Matthew and me? And, and, and by the way, I'm going to invite this woman. I just met her. She's the wrong gender. She's the wrong race. She is, she's had multiple uh, husbands. She, she has the wrong belief system. She comes from the wrong side of the tracks. Her, I met her at the well. You all, you know what? Nicodemus and woman at the well, you, you guys should be friends. We're going to go to discipleship camp. You two can't room together, but you can hang out, okay? Uh, that's cool. Get to know one another. And, and as long as I'm at the center of this, I'm going to do something that's going to blow your minds. And so what Jesus is doing is he's, he starts inviting all these different people from all different walks of life. Starts inviting them, people who believe different things, people who had very, very different lifestyles, people who, who had Beth, the wrong genders to mix with one another. And he says, hey, I want you, I want you all to, to come together and hang out. And he's very intentional about this. And he says, as long as I'm at the center of this group, 
Incredible things are going to happen. Absolutely incredible things. Now I think what we start to see is, is, is we look at this community and it's all these different people and different beliefs, different genders, all that different stuff. The reality is, is they don't really have much in common. There's not much commonality in their life at all. But they do have, all have one common struggle. They might not see it right now, but I, I really believe this with all my heart. I think the greatest community is formed when we can have a common struggle together. The greatest bond of community is formed when we realize there is a struggle that we can't overcome on our own, that we need other people and we need Jesus in the center of it to overcome it. And the common struggle that they don't even recognize yet, but they're about to see is they have the common struggle of sin. And as they start surrounding their lives with Jesus, they start to realize, man, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Man, I can't follow all the rules and regulations that I had set out for my life that trying to have 47 different partners isn't working for intimacy and relationships. That robbing and taking stuff from other people isn't bringing me the significance that I thought it would. That killing other people for my own, for, to, to try to get my way isn't, isn't the right way. And all of a sudden, they start to realize that this common struggle that they have is sin and what they need is they need forgiveness and healing. And that only comes through Jesus. And this bond starts to form between them. And all of a sudden, God starts doing something really, really amazing. He starts building this, this really, really unique and great community. Now, my fear is, is as Christians, we do find community way different than this. Most Christians are more interested in conformity than they are in community. We're way more interested in conforming than we are in living in true community. And, and let me just kind of say some things that aren't very nice in a really, really nice way. And so you just kind of bear with me if I offend you. Uh, sorry. Uh, front end. Um, apology. And so uh, maybe, maybe and, and let me explain it like this. Maybe you, you guys know, know a person. I like to think about it in couples because I deal a lot with couples. And so you have that, that friend or the, that couple, that, that relationship that you know, that it seems like every two to three years, uh, their circle of friends completely turns over. Everybody knows somebody like that, where like every two to three years, their circle of friendships are completely different. This year, they have this group of friends. Two years later, they, you can't even, they don't even know where those friends are anymore. Like they haven't seen those people because somebody did something or said something or they got hurt in that relationship. And, and, and so you see this pattern just continually go over and over again. Like those people weren't conforming to what they wanted them to be. And so therefore we weren't going to be in community anymore. And unfortunately, this cycle just starts happening in life, and it happens to a lot of us. I know it's happened in my life before where we see this, and we're just replacing things instead of stepping back and asking the question, what's wrong with me? Because honestly, if you're turning over friends that frequently, and you're turning over relationships that much, maybe they don't have all the problems. Hello. Maybe there's something going on inside of your heart that God is trying to expose and deal with. Because a lot of times what you'll hear from them, oh, they did this and they did that and it was their problem and this thing and this thing and that thing and that thing. And the reality is, is that instead of doing all that, 
We started going, what's going on inside of us? Because if you truly want to know what's going on inside of your heart, community always exposes what's happening inside of you. Always exposes it. I'll give you an example. Um, if you are an angry person, what brings out anger in you the most? People. Community always exposes it. If you're a proud person, you want to know how you'll discover that? You'll discover it in community. If you have an entitlement attitude, you want to know where you'll discover that? You'll discover it in community. If you're insecure, you want to know where you'll discover that? You'll start discovering that in community. And what happens is, is, is anxiety and fear and all these things start welling up. And instead of running to community, we start running away from it. Start running away from it. It's why people love the idea of going to a, a, a big mega church so they can go and they can disappear among the crowds because they don't want to be known. They just want to hide. Just want to hide. This is what I know. God has not called us to hide. God has called us to live. You can't live in hiding. You can only live in his presence. You can only live in the society that he formed and built, which was all built around this idea of community. And when we start talking about community in our culture, our community very rarely looks like this for us. It very rarely looks like people that are different and have different thoughts and different beliefs and, and different genders and all those different things. When we talk about community for us, most of the time we're referring to people who think the same way that we think that talk the same way that we talk, that act the same way that we act. And what happens is, is when something happens in that relationship, whether that's a marriage, whether that's a friendship, whether that's a connect group, whether that's a church, what do we do right away? We run away from it. And we go and we find another group that looks like us and talks like us and acts like us, and we just conform right into that. Instead of going, God, what are you doing through this tension that's coming in this relationship? What are you trying to reveal that's in my heart? What are you trying to reveal that's in my life that I need to deal with? That I need to confront? That I need to change? Because here's the thing that I've learned in life. I can't change anybody else, but I can change me. You can't change anyone else, but you can change you. You can change locations, but that does not change you. You can change churches. That does not change you. You can change friendships. That does not change you. What's going to change you is the power of God working inside of your life and allowing him to do it. And the problem is, is that most of us, uh, and I put it like this in your outline, community will not form when you always want to be an expert in other people's weaknesses and your strength. We all have friends like that. Never have any problems. They're always experts in everything we suck at. And everybody hates them, too. I mean, let's just be honest. We, if that's you, we hate you, okay? We're like, <laughs> confession is good for the soul, bad for the reputation, okay? Uh, like, we just, it just, it's difficult. But instead of running from pain, I think God works his greatest work in the midst of our pain. And the greatest place that we experience pain here on earth is in the context of relationships. The greatest hurt that we experience is in 
the context of relationships. And, and I would challenge all of us today to not be so quick to cut those off when pain starts to arrive on our sensors. I understand if it's a completely unhealthy, abusive relationship. There's, there's some extremes that are outside of that. But instead of running away from that, we need to go, God, what are, you, what are you trying to do inside of me? What are you trying to reveal in my life that I've ignored or I haven't dealt with yet at this point? And I think that's exactly what Jesus is doing right here. He's intentionally putting these people together and saying, like, listen, like, I know that you're going to have all these differences and all these different things, but what that's going to cause you to do is that's going to cause you to confront some things that are in your life that have got to change. It's going to cause you to confront some things that, that are going to be different. And, 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 and what Jesus does right here absolutely blows everyone's mind because no, at no point in history had there ever been a community like this. The only communities there were, there were armies, there were nations, there were people of religions, but there had never been a group that said, hey, we're going to take people from all different scopes and walks and differences of life and we're going to bring them all together. This was radical thinking. This was a radical concept. And Jesus says, like, we're going to take all these differences. We're going to put them in a pot. It's going to be like jambalaya. And as long as I'm the main ingredient in here, it's going to be awesome. And it's going to absolutely transform your world. And it's going to transform the world. It's community that's going to bring life change. It's not going to be attacking other people that's going to bring life change. It's not going to be uh, going out and, and withdrawing from every other person that's going to bring life change. It's not going to be collaborating with other people and get everybody on the same page that's going to bring life change. What's going to bring life change is me. And me doing life with you and others in community because it's going to cause you to recognize and realize and change some things that are in your life. And this is important for us as Christ followers. Because we like the idea of change, we just don't like the idea of change through community. We like the idea of change of, through condemnation. We like the idea of change through going and convicting other people, uh, bringing condemnation on them. We like the idea of criticizing them. We like the idea of judging them. We like those ways of changing people. And so we like to say, listen, you can be a part of the club with us when you get your act together. I mean, come on, that's how the church has approached it for hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of years. You get your act together, then you can come. And Jesus right here, he's, he's going, no, 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 no. That's not how it's going to be. That was the old plan. This is the new plan. This is my plan. My plan is different. This, this community isn't going to be based on you get your life together. This community is going to be based on me, and it's going to be based on love. I'm going to love you. You're going to love other people, and that's going to trickle down. And it's going to absolutely transform people. It's going to transform them. And through that, through this community of all of our differences, man, we're going to see God do some unbelievable things. He's going to build his, his church, his bride. It's going to be unbelievable. And we're going to be this people that's committed to God. And we're going to be a people that are committed to one another. It's where, where I get a lot of this idea that I've said before in church where we say everyone's welcome because nobody's perfect because anything's possible. Everyone's welcome. Because nobody's perfect and anything's possible. I know some of you guys are like, everybody's welcome. Of course everybody's welcome, but that guy. You know that guy. I mean, he's, he's, he's bad news. I mean, everybody's welcome but him. I mean, he's been to jail. He's done this. He's done that. I mean, everybody's welcome but him, right? No, 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 no. Everybody's welcome. 
Every single person is welcome. Want to know why? Because nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. I know some of you guys are thinking, well, I understand theologically that nobody's perfect, but I'm pretty dang good. Okay. I mean, I got a really, really going on. I don't have any of those major kind of sins out there. I, I got a few small little things, but the, that's not a big deal. But like, you don't really believe nobody's perfect. No, no. See, here's the problem is, is when we become self-righteous, here's what we think. And, and let me just explain how you become really self-righteous really fast is, is this, is that when you're self-righteous, you think the most appalling sins to God are the ones that you don't commit. And so you look at other people that are committing those and you go, oh, snap, sinner. No, no, no. Everybody's welcome because nobody's perfect. Because I believe that anything is possible through God. God can do the absolutely impossible in our lives. And so at our church, we've always been a place where everybody's welcome because nobody's perfect and anything's possible. And anything is possible. I got this, uh, this email that I took out some names, so, but from a girl who experienced this. This is what she wrote. She said, my very first interaction with Coastal wasn't at a Sunday service. It was at what I thought was a Wednesday night Bible study, but it was in fact a connect group. I was lost and broken in the middle of a tough relationship, and I felt God tugging at my heart. I walked in that Wednesday night and had no idea what God had in store for me. It was at that connect group that they accepted me right there in the middle of my mess with open arms and ears. I hadn't even visited the church yet, but everyone was so nice and treated me like I'd been going for years. After my initial experience with this group, I started going to church more often, but I was still confused and had a whole bunch of questions, and I was in the middle of a relationship that I knew I shouldn't be in. It was the summer semester that there was a small group entitled, How to Make Decisions That You Won't Regret. I signed up and had no idea what God was about to do. And I would have told her, you're probably about to make decisions you won't regret. But that's just, <laughs> just me. Uh, in that gr group, I met a person that has become one of the most influential people in my journey here at Coastal. And it's one of the reasons I'm now serving in, in student ministry where I'm finding so much purpose for my life. I learned about the life of David, a man with so many mess ups, yet God's grace covered him and he was used in a mighty way. I made the decision to get baptized and declare Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. I also made the decision to break up with my boyfriend. That decision was one of the hardest ones I had to make. But after that, I was overwhelmed with support from people that I just met at Coastal. I decided I wanted to get more involved and grow closer to God. Needless to say, I made a lot of decisions that I will not regret. After that, I was hooked on groups. I was asked to co-lead a, a group for teenage girls, and it was through this experience that I got to know all these girls better and spend quality time with them. God used that experience to show me that my mess could be used as a message to these girls and be there for them. I could go on and on about every group and how each helped transform me, but ultimately, these groups have given me something I've never had in my life. People. People that I turn to, that understand me, and even accept my loud, outgoing, crazy personality and taught me to own it. They have pushed me and have, as, have, as Pastor TJ says, punched me in the throat when I needed it. That's a good group right there. Anybody that punch you in the throat, that's good. Uh, they've held me accountable and had my back through everything that I've gone through. It's through these groups that I've been able to grow closer to God. And it's because of the books and the conversations and the prayers that I'm learning more about the, God, the gifts that God has given me 
and using them for him. I'm more encouraged and running harder than I ever have after the life and plan that God has for my life. The community that these connect groups have provided for me are better than anything I've ever experienced. I used to turn to drugs, alcohol, partying, searching for something. Now I've found it. It's because of these groups that after two and a half years of moving away from my hometown, I finally feel like I have a home and excited for what God has for my life. Everyone's welcome because nobody's perfect and anything's possible. I know a lot of you go through life and church is just a routine in life. It's something that we do on Sunday, but I believe that Jesus has called us to way more than that. I believe he's called us to live life together. Because you can come into a Sunday morning service and you can come here for years and not know anyone and no one know you. And honestly, that's a shame. I, I, I wish it was different, but this is kind of a one-way conversation every Sunday, isn't it? I talk, you listen. Sometimes you listen. But the reality is, is that God intended for us to be known and to know others. And Jesus isn't about editing our behavior. He's about transforming our hearts. And the greatest life transformation that's going to take place in your life, I really believe, is going to be in community. It's going to be in relationships. You can get a lot out of this. This is, this is good. I'm just going to tell you, community is so much better. Don't miss out on the greatest opportunity for your growth in your spiritual walk. That's why we want to help you experience and know and follow Jesus. One of the best ways you can follow Jesus is by doing what he did. And this is what he did. He grabbed people and grabbed them, put them together in smaller groups and said, hey, let's come do this together. Let's pray. God, we just come before you today and I pray that all of us would be challenged to get out of our comfort zones when it comes to community. I know that maybe you're new in here or you've been around for a little bit or you don't really have many relationships, but I, I, I think that there's not a better time than now to move from what's comfortable to what's possible for your life. And, and this is what I know is that God doesn't move when we're really comfortable. He moves when we step out in faith. And so my prayer today is that God, that people would have the faith and the boldness to get beyond some of their fears and their insecurities and the hurts and the pains that they've experienced and realize that those aren't bad things. Those, those are necessary things. Those are necessary things to get us to look at our life to become the man or the woman or the teenager that you've called us to be. And God, I pray that we would be bold enough, that we'd be courageous enough to step out in faith and do life together. To live out the plan that you have for us to be a community that would shine and would shine bright, not just because we're, as an individual we're bright, but because together we're even brighter. 
God, do a transforming work inside of every single one of our hearts here today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.